Wednesday night, what are we doing now? I, I don't know that I had a real uh, leading as to what we were going to do on Wednesday nights. And so I just decided tonight I was going to encourage your faith. And I'm going to, you know, on occasion I, I get to the faith topic again because I just believe we need to be uh, reaffirmed and have faith sewed into us. Uh, if you don't have any notes in front of you, it's because I didn't create any notes for tonight. So you can either take notes in your Bible in the back where they have all those note pages, or you can just sit and absorb if you would like, um, and uh, however you want to do that, uh, that would be great. But I want to talk a little bit tonight on one of the faith subjects that, for me, I have to keep coming back to. Are there certain things that you have to continually go back to and remind yourself of? I mean, it's not like it's it's not like it's new revelation for you. It's like revelation you know, but you got to keep reminding yourself over and over and over again that this has to be an operation in your life. And, and for me, that topic in the area of faith is the concept of expectation. Now, for those of you that were encountered this last time, my wife taught a lengthier uh, teaching on ungodly beliefs, which, which really, uh, I don't know if everybody zones in when she starts teaching that, but I'm telling you that it's one area that we teach here that I think everyone in the room needs to really just meditate and get a handle on his ungodly beliefs because it is amazing how many of us have been wired wrong. I, I mean, it's not, you, you love God, you love the Lord, you want to serve the Lord. I mean, if I could get into your motives and we could just put your motives out on the table and find out what your real internal genuineness is all about, we would see that you genuinely love God, you genuinely want to do right. You genuinely want to serve him. And, and, and there's so many people I think that are like that, but, but the problem is not their intentions or their motives. The problem is, is whether it's been through wrong instruction or through experience, trauma, or whatever the case may be, just, just the years of, of listening to voices that were not speaking the word of the Lord to us, we've been wired incorrectly. That's why the scripture says several things. It says, you know, obviously to, uh, uh, I uh, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, uh, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and be ye, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by how? The renewing of your mind. So you know the verse Romans 12 too. <clears throat> and so. For most of us, we find ourselves conforming more and more to the world. That may not be our intention, that may not be our desire, but we find ourselves conforming into the patterns of the world, and we know we need to break out of that, we know we need to be transformed, and the scripture says the reason that happens is because of our wiring. And in order to change the wiring, and this is the part that uh, sometimes those of us in our circles, you know, there's the appropriate teaching of miracles and the dramatic event, and then there's the part about the work and the hard work of renewing your mind. And to renew your mind, it means that you're going to have to begin to, to change thought patterns and habits, and you're going to have to change the way you instantly, because here's the thing I have found. <laughs> you may want to write this one down. People don't think about how they think. Isn't that true? You know what? We just think. And however we think, we think is normal. Because we just think. And because I just think it, I must be right. 
It must be normal because it's a thought. Well, that's not true. Most of us, dare I say all of us, now you may not now, but I can assure you there was a time, you did not think right. Okay? Because we don't think about how we think. And so we've got to start doing that. And once you begin to think about how you're thinking, then you can begin to see these ungodly belief patterns and you can begin to address them by the renewing of your mind. Now, let's get back to the faith topic. Why is that important with regards to faith? Because the scripture tells us that for faith to work, you must have an expectation. For faith to work, you must have an expectation. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, in the faith chapter in the Bible, I want to read this to you. We've been taught this before, but I'm renewing in you, and, and even as I speak it, I'm renewing in me a concept that we've got to get back to. How many of you would like to see God do miracles in your life? I mean, I mean, anybody, I'm not against a miracle. Hey, do a miracle in my life. I want to see God do big things. I want to see breakthrough. I, I, I want to see him, you know, release resource. I want to see him bring deliverance, healing, wholeness, completion. I need a little peace. I need some joy. I need some miracle activity going on in my life. Miracles only happen when we walk by faith, right? That, make, that makes sense. Faith will not happen unless there's an expectation, okay? Keep that word out there, expectation. Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance, or really it means confidence. Substance, there is confidence. If you want to know what the substance of faith is, if you ever ask yourself, what's the substance of my faith? It's confidence. Confidence is, I know that I know that I... That's confidence. When you came in here, were you confident that when you sat on that chair, it was going to hold you up? Yes. Yes. Yes, you did. I mean, you didn't come in here and do this. You didn't come in and go. You didn't do that, did you? Why? You just plopped your blessed assurance. Bam. Why? Because you were, you were confident. Confident. Faith is confidence. Confidence of things hoped for. Things hoped for. I'm going to just stop right there. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Whenever I use the word hope, and for most of us, whenever we use the word hope, oftentimes we use that word much like the word wish. You know, I wish I had a better life. I wish somebody would give me a million dollars. I wish it wasn't so cold out. I wish, so wish, wishing, wishing is like this sort of this ethereal, I just, you know, it, life ain't going to be any different. I just, I just, I, I, I hope it happens. Or maybe I hope they remember my birthday. Or I hope they remember this. Or I hope they do this. or and, and so hope and wish in most of our mentalities has a very tentative aspect to it. Listen to me. Now we're going to get to ungodly beliefs. Because for those of us that perhaps have had our hopes dashed on more occasions than we can count, or for those of us who have wished for things that have not come to pass, 
When we begin to hear the word hope or wish in the Bible and we begin to hear these terms, we immediately say to ourselves, well, I, I want it to be true, but I'm not sure it is really true. And that's kind of what hope and wishing is. I, I want it to be true, but I don't know if it's true or not. Are you following me? Now, if, if, we, did this, if we did this theologically, You'd see this probably a little bit more clearly because most of you have been taught appropriately. Because if you were to look at somebody and, and ask them the question, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain or do you have a confidence that you would go to heaven? And if somebody, you would say yes. Then there's reasons you say yes. But for many people, if they were to respond by saying, well, I hope so. Now, we instantly know what that means, don't we? If you're doing a diagnostic spiritual test. Because, yeah, what that means is they use the term they use the term hope, but they really aren't sure. We know that, if that's their answer. Well, I hope so. I hope it works out. I hope the big guy likes me. I hope the man upstairs has been listening to me. I've been doing my, you know, we know. But that, I hope so. It means I'm not sure. It could be. I, I'd like it to be, but I'm not really sure. But we know, what, that you can know for certain that you will go to heaven because uh, the certainty comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so as, as Cindy said when I asked the question diagnostically out there, do you know for certain, do you have a confidence that you would go to heaven? Cindy answered yes. Why did Cindy answer yes? Because she read the Word of God. She knows what it says about salvation. She understands what the atonement and why Jesus came and died on the cross. She knows those things are immutable facts. She has believed that He has done that for her personally. She has repented and forsaken her sins. She's confessed Jesus as Lord, believed in her heart. He was raised from the dead. The Bible says that she is saved. So therefore, when I ask the question, it's no longer tentative for her or for many of you. It's no longer a tentative question. You say yes. Well, how can you say yes? You've never seen heaven, have you? Nobody's been, oh, well, I take that back. There have been books written. People have had, after death experiences, out-of-body experiences. So, you know, that maybe they've had glimpses. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing that, but for most of us, I've never been there. Never been to the place. And yet, I have a confidence that when I die, I'm going there. I know that I know that I know. My faith is in Him because my faith is in Him. I have a confidence that that is my hope. And my hope is not... But, my, but biblical hope means expectation. So if you ever see the word hope in the scriptures, like when, when Peter said, for beloved, we have this sure hope, it means expectation, anticipation. That's what biblical hope means. Now, let's go back to our verse here quickly. And it says, now faith, and remember faith is is believing what you've yet to see. Now, faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Hoped for. And so, in order for us, now we're going to get back to my original point. If you want to see miracles coming in your life, if you're needing God to move, God only moves when we walk in faith. The Bible says, the just shall live by... Right. For we walk not by sight, but by... Yeah. Without faith, it is impossible 
the scripture says, to please God. Now, faith is the substance or the confidence of those things you expect. I want you just to sit there for just a moment on expectation. Now, it's not that you just expect anything, but you've got to expect what God has said you can expect. In other words, see, you can, you can say, well, I expect to go to heaven, but if you refuse to believe on Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. Why is that? Because, because that's what God says you can put your confidence in. You just can't put your confidence in your own opinion. You've been wrong before. So excuse me if I don't trust your opinion. I'm going to trust what God says and not man's opinion. You're following me. So when we can begin to understand what God has said are his promises for you and me as believers. When we begin to open up the book and we begin to see what he asks of us, when he begins to uh, instruct us and show us his ways, and when he says these are the blessings or these are the promises or these are the, uh, the legitimate uh, things that you can count on that will begin to be released to you if your confidence is in this. He says, when you have, I haven't seen it yet. I may not have been there yet. But if, if I believe that what he says is true, and, and I may not have seen it, but if my confidence is placed in that, then I need to bring an expectation that what he says will come to pass. See? Expectation. Expectation. It's so important. Now, there's a couple of great passages here in the Scripture. If you have your Bibles, uh, let me just read you out of the Gospels a couple of accounts, and, and we'll just take the time uh, to read this real quick. They're familiar to you, but just write them down real quick. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 25. Listen to this. Mark 5, 25. We'll start there. You've heard this before. We've used it many a time. It says, A certain woman had a flow of blood, for 12 years. In other words, not to be indelicate, she's had a perpetual period for 12 years. And all the ladies, I can see their eyes going. Well, I know we men will never understand that. Certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, suffered many things from many physicians. So she'd seen a lot of doctors. Spent all that she had. She's broke. She's no better. She grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Okay, stop right there. What was her expectation? Sure. Her expectation was that if I, got, if I, if I get a hold of him, just the coat, the tail, the hem of his garment. If I, my expectation is if I can just get there, I will be. It wasn't I could be. It wasn't I might be. He, she wasn't saying what we say. Well, I wish I wish it'd be true. I get I've taken shot everywhere else, so I guess I'll take give Jesus a shot. No, she said I will be made well. And you know the end of the story. What happens when she touches the hem of his garment? She is, she's made well. And and it wasn't only because of Jesus, although Jesus certainly was the healer. But she brought with her an expectation. Exactly, exactly. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, a very similar thing, very similar to what I just read to you. 
But, but again, it just has an, another little twist on it. Matthew fourteen thirty four. Matthew fourteen thirty four. It says, when they, meaning Jesus and the disciples, had crossed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Isn't that incredible? You may not have known this, but there was more than one person that got healed by the touch of the hem of his garment. You can find the scripture right here. Many people were healed. Why was that? It's because there was an expectation that that would begin to happen. And then finally, in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, and then I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I could give you numerous other ones. But in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 17, Luke 6, 17, it says, And he, meaning Jesus, came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them. What's the word there? Isn't that a cool? That's the, you can underline that verse. That's one of those times that Jesus healed everybody. Why did he heal everybody? It's because all these people were showing up, the scripture tells us. And the reason they came, they said, I'm coming to the meeting because if I get to the meeting and Jesus is there, I'm going to be healed. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to help you right now, understanding why God moves like he does sometimes and why he doesn't seem to move. Now, if we were just to be teaching on healing there's probably a lesson that needs to be taught sometime about sort of the, I, maybe I title it the mystery of healing, because there are so many factors that can come into a person's healing. I'm not blaming people that they have lack of faith, but there's certain elements of that that have to come to the equation in order for healing to take place. Can God he, heal sovereignly? Certainly he can. Many stories with regards to that. But many people don't get healed because they don't understand what they have to bring at times to the equation. And, and even in that, there can still be a great mystery that sometimes we all don't get as, as to why, you know, maybe many are healed or some are healed. But in this instance, the scripture says all are healed. And, and a part of that is expectation. Now, this is the part I want to share with you because I've had people ask me this before. They'll say, well, if, if, if you have a healing ministry or you believe in healing, then why don't you go to the hospitals and you just clear the hospitals out of all the sick people? Just, just clear out the hospitals of all the sick people. I've heard them make that accusation to uh, healing ministries. And I could give you the list of all the different people with healing ministries. You know, you know uh, people out there, healing ministries. And, and usually the, the taunt of the skeptic is, well, they ought to go to the houses, uh, they ought to go to the hospitals and just, and just clean them all out, just heal everybody in the hospital. I'm going to share this with you, and some of you have been in the hospital, and, and I'll just say it out loud, that the greatest expectation in a hospital is, will the doctor get here on time? Can I tell you, there is more doubt and unbelief in a hospital than in any singular place, probably in the universe. There is more confession of sickness. There is more establishment of disease and death 
in a hospital. Now, do I believe in hospitals? Yes. Do I believe we have to go to hospitals at times and, and, and have me, us medically treated? Absolutely. But here's the, what should be the difference between us and others. When we go to the hospital, we're grateful for the medical technicians and the physicians and everyone who's helping us, but they are not the last say. And neither are my family members or other people in my life who are looking at me saying, well, you know, I had a sister that had that operation and she was laid up for years. Well, if that's your expectation... Let it be so. Do you know how many times, and I, and I oftentimes have great compassion for Christian doctors because I know they're between a rock and a hard place sometimes. Even good, good Christian doctors get between a rock and a hard place because when you go and you visit with a patient, I understand that you, you got to speak really the truth, absolute rock hard truth to them because if, if you shade it, in any way, shape, or form, and something doesn't come out, you're sued. So I understand how they're between a rock and a hard place. But do you understand that when somebody comes in and says and gives you the prognosis that you've only got three months or six months to live? I've seen people grab that, and that becomes their expectation. Now, here's the question. The reason, the reason they only live three to six months, oftentimes, is because their faith was put in the words of a man whom they had confidence in, who told them what to expect, and they latched hold of that in their spirit, and the thing that was spoken over them has come to pass. What's really amazing, and, and, I, and, and this is going to sound almost flippant, forgive me, I don't mean it to sound flippant, but there have been times that people have been given six-month prognoses with regards to their life. They were in a terminal situation, and they died on the 180th day. And my question is, why don't we all jump up and down and go hallelujah? It was the word of faith at, at work. Now, now, forgive me, that sounds almost flippant. I don't mean it to sound that way, but I want you to get the point. The point is, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. His report says, I am healed. Are you following me? And, and now... Now that our confidence is there, now we got to get to where's your expectation? You're saying, but you don't understand. You don't understand what my body's going through right now. My body hurts. My body's in pain. Hey, I respect that. I understand that. And we're not denying it. And I may get to before we're done on these Wednesday nights. One more time, I'll teach you about calling those things not as though they were. The Bible doesn't say ignore those things that are as if they weren't. That's not what the Bible says. You know, there's a lot of people just sick as a dog. I, you know, I've got a little sinus deal right now. Now, you know, if my nose is running, I'm going, <coughs> you know, and I'm hacking up stuff. I'm not sick. <laughs> you look at me and say, yeah, okay, yeah, don't come near me, though. It, it, that's not what the Bible doesn't say that we're to call those things that are as if they weren't. The Bible says that we call those things that be not as though they are, which means I'm not healed. So I begin to believe, and I call, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm catching a healing. I'm not catching a cold. I'm catching a healing. Are you following me? What's your expectation? My expectation is, is that they say this cold lasts 7 to 10 days. No way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to last another 24 hours in Jesus' name, and then it's over. That's my expectation. Now, I've had people go, well, it wasn't over in 24 hours. Well, when did it leave? Well, it left in about 48 hours. All right, well, you didn't go 10 days, did you? 
It's kind of like the old saying, you know, if you shoot for the stars and land on the moon, it's better than shooting for nothing and making it. So start exercising your faith. Now, expectation. What are you expecting? The reason this was so important in my life, you've heard me tell the story. I told it at Encounter. Well, some of us have been so disappointed in life that we've just quit expecting anything. We've quit expecting good things we, because we just we don't want to be disappointed anymore. We don't want to deal with the mystery of it anymore. We don't want to deal with the, with the feelings that accompany uh, a hope that didn't manifest. And so we just quit expecting. And that has to be broken. Uh, I, you know, I don't understand why God does what he does at times. I know this. God is good. He wants good things in my life. And I may not see it all now, but the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So that first part of that, God causes all things. Now, Scott, you understand when something isn't good in your life that's going on and you're saying, where's God? I don't get this. It's, this is a really hard thing. It fits in that first part of that verse. God, that's an all thing. God causes all things to work together for good. So it may be rotten, you don't understand it, but somehow, some way, if you love God and you're called according to a purpose, he's going to work that thing out for good. And you know what? I have now lived long enough serving him that I honestly can begin to say that. I can look back at moments in my life and remember at the moment when there was confusion and heartache and brokenness and disappointment and all the things that the emotions just raging inside of me, not knowing what God was up to and feeling like he wasn't talking to me. And where are you at this particular moment? Here's the good news about serving Jesus long term is that you finally get to the place where you can look back and you can remember that moment that you didn't get it and you didn't understand and you couldn't put the pieces together, but you're a decade or two down the road and now you look back and it all makes sense and you're in a better place. God caused all things to work together for my good. He didn't say tomorrow. See, we want it tomorrow. See, Jesus is in this for the long haul, are you? And, and, and I think that's been the most healing, helpful thing that has taken place is to just sometimes grit your teeth, keep walking faithfully with him, and there comes a moment you can look back and say, I'm beginning to understand now why that was going. Or maybe, maybe there was no good purpose for it, but yet he's using it to help people. You know, right now, Tracy and I together have such authority to speak to pastors who hurt. It is amazing to me when they'll start, they'll, they'll go, they'll say this, they'll go, you will never have heard a story like this. And they'll start telling me a story. And I'll say, do you mind if I stop you for just a minute and, and just ask, can you beat this? And then I'll tell a part of our story and they'll stop and they'll go, you're kidding. And then I'll say, let me ask you, did this happen then to you? And they'll go, yeah, that happened to me. And all of a sudden it's like, you're living what we're living. And I say, yeah. And can I tell you something? You'll come out of it. Now, I don't want to relive any of that. But can I just say, God causes all things to work together for good. Some of you have, you've been yanked by your tail through a knot hole. And you're going, you're still going, ouch. 
That hurt. Can I just tell you, God's going to use that pain in order for you to speak authoritatively in someone's life. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's the deal. We're letting our pain determine our expectations. We're letting our pain begin to dictate our futures. And, and I'm just simply take it from a guy who's lived it. Don't, don't, have, don't, go, don't go 20, 30 years. Hey, believe me tonight. Just believe the testimony that whatever it is you face, it may have been tough, but don't let it douse your expectation that God will come through for you. And that he will do something good through that or in that. And, and, and can I just say this, that you won't see miracles until you get that expectation back again, that he will do this for you. It's the only thing the Hebrew writer said to us in Hebrews 11.1. 1, he said that that is the only thing that faith can link to. Faith is the confidence of what you expect. Now, you may have faith, but if you don't have expectation, then, then, then you see you, you're not firing on those cylinders. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Your faith has to link to your expectation. Not only that, I wrote down here, you will not act on something that you're not sure about. Isn't that true? If you aren't sure that that chair is going to hold you up, you're not going to act on that. If you see an old rocker, there was an old rocker. We, we, we came home the other night in our neighborhood, and someone had put out a rocker on the, on the side of the road. And some voices from the car said, we ought to pick that up and put it on the porch. I said, listen, there's a reason it's sitting out there next to the garbage can. And I, 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 and I know we're not taking it to our porch. Number one is we, we ain't that poor to pick through people's garbage. I'm not going to be out there in the middle of the night picking up some rocker out of someone's dump pile. I just, there's, I'm just not there. But there's, there's a reason it's there. I mean, if that chair was working for them, it wouldn't be at the corner getting picked up by the trash guy. So who's, whose blessed assurance is going to be the first one in the rocker? Not mine. Why? No confidence. You're not going to act on what you don't have confidence in, what you're not sure about. And here's the key. You've got to become sure about what God has said. If you believe God heals, then you've you got to have a confidence and an expectation that God will do that. In fact, there are moments that we're asked to press into our miracle. We're asked to press into what it is. We're asked to take a step. Peter and walking on water. I mean, I mean there's a moment that he can believe it, he can expect it, but you've got to step over the side. And you got to stand on it. And, and it, God will do that in our lives. You can, you can, you can believe all the right stuff, but you got to act, and you're not going to act on what you don't have confidence in. Um, and, and I believe that when God sees us, this is what I think delights the heart of God, uh, is that when he sees his people believing him and then, and then moving or acting in that direction, I believe there's something in the heart of God that ignites to that. And he says, look at them. They're trusting me. They really expect me to move in this regard. And I think there's something in him that delights at that moment. I think for a lot of 
charismatic people. I'm not saying all. I'm just saying I think I think for some of us, we've tried that in our, our finances. At times, we've released finances when we never saw, and, and, and then God's moved. I think sometimes, you know, God speaks to us with regards to our healing. Now, again, I, I think you've got to go before God. You've got to get a word. I believe that doctors and nurses are, are appropriate uh, uh, healing conduits through which God uses and can move. But I think there are moments God can speak to you and say, I know one time, uh, years ago, I used to always get, and it's just the enemy. It's the way the enemy does. When he attacks me in sickness, he always attacks right in here. Isn't that amazing? Why would you think he would do that? It's always in my vocal box, always in my vocal box. And I remember years ago, Wally, I went to this guy, and it was a doctor, and I know he was a good guy practicing what they do. And every time I go in, he knew I was a pastor, he knew I had to speak, and he'd give me the shot right in the, and he'd give me the shot of the antibiotic, plus he'd give me, I guess, a steroid, and man, I'm talking in six hours, it was like I was normal. And I thought, that's the greatest thing in the world. Just take the shot. You know, the hardest thing in the world was to just take it in the rump. And, uh, you know, you know, because anyway, we, we'll just leave that one alone. All right. But he'd do that every time. He just hit me every time like that. And, and, and what was happening was I was living in an area where apparently either I had a lot of allergies or it just I had sinus issues. But it seemed like I was going in at least once a quarter for that. And the reason they would do that was because it would turn into strep. And they wanted to avoid the strep. And, again, we're talking about the 80s. And back in the 80s, they, they may have different medical philosophy. But back then, if you had children in the 80s, they were giving them amoxicillin and stuff all the time. I mean, the kids lived on that stuff. I don't think they give the kids that much anymore because they are fearful they'll develop, you know, an intolerance for that. But, but anyway, I'd go in there all the time. And then it was like the, the Lord convicted me. And he said, you trust that needle more than you trust me. And I remember one time I got a blazing sore throat that I needed, I needed it. The Holy Spirit was dealing with me. Now listen, I'm not, don't take this story. This is my story. It isn't your story. It's my story. If you're ever going to do something like this, you better be sure you've heard from God. All right? Because you don't want it turning into scarlet fever or rheumatic fever or anything like that. So you just you better know that you've heard from God. So this is my story. This is not your story. My story. But the Lord was dealing with me saying, you're going to go and trust that doctor and needle one more time. I said, Lord, I hurt. <laughs> he said, will you trust me? If you'll trust me, I'm going to take care of this. I'm not joking. It was, it was as I recall, about a three-week ordeal. It was miserable. I'd walk up, throats blazingly sore. You know, I, I, I know I know I was on the roller coaster fever ride. Some days it would be inching up, and then, you know, it seemed like it would break. In three weeks, I'm, I'm going to tell you the raw truth. It took about three weeks, but that broke. It finally broke in my life. And while I'll still get, you know, sinus drainage, but can I just tell you this? I have never got those blazing sore throats ever again. After that, after that time, after I stood that one time. And I think something spiritual happened at that moment. Now, we can talk about the natural stuff, but I think something spiritual happened at that moment. I think God said, you've got a victory over this now. You're never going to have to face this one again. Now, do I still get sick? Sure. You saw me this Sunday, had a little flu, fell down, and had the big old knot on my head. So, you know, you know that doesn't mean the pastor doesn't still get sick. But what it does mean 
is that there's going to be moments in our life where we're going to have to exercise a tenacity and we're going to have to press in with an expectation, God, you can do this. You can do this. And again, I can't define all those moments for you, but, but I am sowing into you, hopefully, the resiliency that you'll begin to believe God. And maybe you'll need to believe him for smaller things so you can build your faith up for greater things. But whatever the case is, uh, we need to believe him together. i tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to stop right there. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and close them. But this is what I want to ask. Why don't we all stand up in the last two minutes we have here.